Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. Where to hunt podcast. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Hi, I'm Dan Small, host of Outdoor Wisconsin, and I listen to Where to Hunt. Man, it's okay. I'm Kurt Geyer with Working Class Bow Hunter. I listen to Where to Hunt podcast, and it's decent. Uh, it's all right. Hey, this is Bud Fisher with Catching Deers, and I think the Where to Hunt podcast is all right. Hey, what up, everybody? Welcome to the Where to Hunt podcast. The podcast? Is it the or the? <laughs> Whatever you want it to be. No one knows. The podcast that connects public land hunting enthusiasts, a.k.a. The okayest podcast in the Midwest. I'm trying to slow it down a little bit. I've had a lot of coffee. I've had a very busy day and week. So you can see me kind of revving it up, revving it down, revving it up, revving it down. Uh, we're coming at you from the okayest hunter podcast studio right here in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. And if you don't know who the okayest hunter is, well, it's a website. You can go to okayesthunter.com. And if you like what you see, uh, use code W2H podcast and go buy yourself some stuff and get 10% off. It's not much, but Hey, every little bit counts. You should take it. Take what you can get. That's right. Use the code. Um, what else we got, Greg? I got nothing. I did. <laughs> I did some walking over the weekend, found zero sheds, but, uh, gained a little more Intel on another spot. Got a tractor running. Well, I saw that my brother-in-law got the tractor running. I took it for a test drive. That's pretty um, neat. Yeah. Uh, sadly, uh, our friend Bill over at Spartan Forge has a lost dog. Mm. Now, he's not near me, so I can't help too much. Um, I know that he's actually gone so far as to take out ads on Facebook and run it in the region where like the dog is suspected to be missing. Well, I hope he finds him. Yeah, me too. Um, but, you know, you can support him <laughs> by going over to SpartanForge.ai if nothing else, but if you're in that area, you know, if you're in the, the East Coast, I think Virginia, um, give him a shout, reach out to him on, you know, link, I think, not LinkedIn, gosh, uh, Instagram's probably the best place to get in Instagram touch with those or guys. Facebook. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you haven't heard of Spartan Forge, it's an AI uh, data-driven platform that has a data model to help you predict deer movement. And there's a lot of things coming down the pike with those guys. So stay tuned and uh, be sure to get the discount code from us if you'd like uh, W2H for 20% off before they make those changes and or after. It's still going to save you 20%, but you're just going to save a lot more money if you get in there before these updates get submitted. Yeah, that's what I got for that. And uh, Backwoods Grind, you're going to be, I've been hoarding it from you. You got two bags waiting for you to go home with. Patiently awaiting their arrival. Mm-hmm. They just launched a new flavor today. They did. So we'll have to get we'll have to put that on our next order to try it out and see what we think, so we can talk about it. Yeah, uh, it's to help 
benefit uh, the Pinotti project. Yeah, I can't pronounce it, so I didn't want to try to say it. I'm glad you did. You just jumped out <laughs> on the ledge and saved me. How do you say it? What is it? Pinotti. Sounds like a, you know, a tribal name or something. Could be. Hmm. All to do with turkeys. Uh, the, the proceeds go to benefit turkeys for tomorrow, I believe. So he said six and a half dollars a bag is going to go to that, and that's going to wow basically help with turkey research to see, um, you know, basically what's what's causing their demise. Interesting. Yep. So it's going to study habitat and all that, everything, predation, you name it. So it's a nice little piece of conservation going out there. I dig it. Those are they're good guys over there, anyways, too. Yes, so we would like to support their their brand, and we like to drink their coffee more than anything. So. Uh, I know they were at the Iowa Deer Classic, and a couple of guys had gone up and said, hey, we heard you on the Word Hunt podcast. So that's kind of cool. Makes yeah. me happy to know that people actually uh, listen and mm-hmm. buy some of the stuff we talk about. We're, we're doing our part, and even uh, even if we're not helping them so much, it's still they're a great partner, they're good people, and they align with our values. So That's right. It's good stuff. And uh, I'm not drinking any drop tine spirits tonight. Yeah, I think you could use one. <laughs> Take the edge off. I'm drinking backwards. Actually, so I'm drinking one of our sponsors. That's all the drinks we get. It's great. Uh, but check out uh, Drop Time Spirits. You know, we don't have a discount code for those guys. I should probably think about getting one of those for you guys. But right now, we're just trying to increase their brand awareness. So I say it's your camp in a bottle. The the 12 point bourbon's pretty damn good. It is. Yeah. Well, that's what we got for our BS session. Uh, we do have a guest with us today, uh, Jason Red with Tree Ninja Outdoors. What's what up? did you just say? Wait. T- oh, my God. Timber, n- help me out here. Timber Ninja. Timber Ninja. Should I smack him for you an hour later? <laughs> oh, I've been called worse. <laughs> can we, well, we can call you a tree We've ninja, all been I called worse. I mean, at least Timber Ninja Outdoors. Before. Yeah. For F's sake, man. It's just been a day. I'm swimming in coffee now. Mm. I'll make up for it. Yeah. I had to quit drinking coffee last year, personally. How did, How's that going? Uh, it's been going pretty well. I had a, um, I had a minor heart surgery. I was, had an SVT and, uh, so caffeine spikes my heart rate and I can't have it anymore. Uh, so yeah, not just coffee, but really no caffeine then, huh? Yeah. It's zero. Yeah. I mean, it's not as bad as it was, but if I have caffeine, it can dr- drive me into a panic attack, which is not fun. No. So, Thanks. But it's weird. Like if I naturally elevate my heart rate through running or, you know, any other outdoor activity, it doesn't have the same effect as caffeine does on it or stimulants. Mm. Uh, it should tell me something. Are you, but, you still drink decaf to get the fix? I do drink some, uh, but decaf, you know, I've come to find actually has caffeine in it, but it's very it's small limited. portion. Sure. Mm-hmm. So I'll drink like one cup in the morning of decaf and uh, that's about it. It's more of a ritual thing. Like yeah. I really didn't feel any down, you know, like, side effects from getting away from coffee, you know, like, uh, you know, it's a little bit harder to get motivated, but once I get motivated and work out early, like my endorphin levels go up. So I'm, I'm good to go. That's good to know. A buddy of mine yeah. stopped drinking coffee for like a year just cause, and then, uh, now he's back on and he's like, yeah, take her to leave it. But he does like the ritual. Uh, that's kind of the thing. That's what I like. But yeah. Yeah. That was the hard part to get rid of. It's the ritual. Which is good. I make caffeine. So you're out of North Carolina. At least I got that part right. Uh, and I did pronounce your last name right. I just effed up the name of the business like an idiot. So, yeah, that's good. Dave, sure. this is the okayest podcast. We said the bar low. You know, we got to really... Two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're just okay. That's right. 
Um, okay, so tell tell us a little. I mean, we don't know much about you. You know, we've we've seen the business around uh, the brand and some of the products um, on social, but I'd love to hear more about how you got into hunting. You have a pretty unique background. I see some really nice bows in the background, so we could talk about some of that stuff for a little bit here. Yeah. So, um, you know, about myself, I, I mean, I've, I've been hunting since I was seven years old. I'm, I'll be forty one this year, and most of I would say ninety eight percent of my life has been hunting on public land and reason you know i just grew up really poor and we didn't have a choice to be on public land i mean on private land leases and stuff i mean we, we occasionally got on some that were really cheap paper land type stuff i'm i'm originally from arkansas i'm not from north carolina and um yeah i hunted my whole life i took a little break i got into endurance sports i was a um an aspiring professional road bike racer, bicycle, uh, left, you know, when I got out of that, I started doing ultra running and, uh, mountain climbing. And so I did a lot of ventures and then I, I got, you know, I was always hunting a little bit, but I wasn't as passionate about it and serious for a, a few years there. I, I, you know, a lot of it was, I just kind of got, to be honest, got bored living in the lowlands and just doing the same old thing. Um, but, I got really stoked again when I moved to the mountains of North Carolina job relocated me and, uh, I just, you know, put all my mountain sports in with hunting and it became this like adventure hunting, you know, kind of what I would say, categorize it as. And, uh, man, you know, I started traveling a lot, hunting, then, um, got into, you know, big tracks of public, you know, Appalachian mountain style stuff in Ohio, Virginia, West Virginia, uh, and, you know, the other states I haven't hunted PA yet, but, um, you know, and started playing with products, man. Like, you know, at the time when I was doing it, there wasn't any of this new mobile, you know, per se hunting products. So I kind of had to DIY stuff and, and, you know, with my background in racing bikes and climbing, like I had a lot of experience working with carbon fiber stuff. And, you know, they're really at the time, you know, there wasn't anything made out of carbon fiber. Everything was essentially aluminum products, which, you know, for the most part, that's still the case. Everything's still aluminum uh, besides, you know, stuff that we do. But um, I started tinkering around. I, you know, I, I didn't start the, the company that we have in Timber Ninja is it wasn't a goal to be a company. It was like I made my own products and spent a lot of money developing a set of carbon fiber sticks. And, uh, you know, they worked really well for me and my friends started catching on to it and like, man, you need to, we need to get a business going with this and, you know, sell it to other people. And I own essentially two other businesses that I'm involved with and just really didn't have the time at the you know or didn't think i had the time and then i got my arm twisted into starting timber ninja outdoors who twisted your arm uh (laughs) who twisted your arm i had a lot of buddies twisting my arm man and um and two of them got involved with me tyler and jordan who are part of timber ninja as well they were really the the big um the little jack russell biting at my heels all the time i guess (laughs) you know hey we need to do this so and that's, you know, but when we decided to do it, you know, I had other plans for stuff that I thought could work out in carbon fiber and, and, and just other mobile hunting products in general. So we released the pro- the sticks last year in May. So we're essentially 
a little over six months in the business now. Um, and yeah, it's been awesome, man. Like I've really, I've connected with a lot of people. Uh, it's fun talking to people in the industry, love talking to customers. You know, we've honestly have had a, we didn't have any goals, you know, like we never said, Hey, we want to create this and we plan to hit this in year one. And we laugh all the time that we did a, like a, a early sign up sheet of people that would be interested. And there was like a, you know, at that time it was like a big number. We we're like, wow, if all these people bought this, it would be X. And then now we're looking at us like how we passed that in October, you know, and like it, it's just <laughs> funny how things snowball. And, uh, but it's awesome, man. I mean, I really enjoyed the product aspect of it, uh, the design side. And, you know, ultimately I'm just a hunter, man. Like I, I hunt, I don't even know how many days and my wife doesn't listen to this. So I could say I probably hunt at least 80 plus days a year. And, uh, most of it's, you know, a lot of it's whitetail, but I go, you know, I went to Alaska last year. I go to Colorado about every year, you know, I just like adventure hunting. And, um, and that's, that's my goal is always adventure hunt. You know, it's like my whitetail hunts are usually, you know, big woods, mountainous stuff. That, that's what I really. You're chasing hunt. the adventure more than you're chasing the deer. Yeah. The, the deer itself is, um, it's icing on the cake. You know, I love, you know, what I love about whitetail hunting is I love hunting mature whitetails and I like the putting the puzzle pieces together, um, and trying to find and locate, even on like blind places I go into, like, you know, I'll spend a few days scouting before I even get serious about hunting, you know, just to cover and find what I'm looking for. And it's awesome when that comes together. I mean, even if it's just a sighting of the animal you're going after to, for me, that's, that's a success, you know? It is. Uh, it's a win to be able to drop into a new place that you've never been and put eyes on a mature deer. Oh yeah. It's, it's awesome. So hoping to do that this year in Iowa. It's be my first time going to Iowa. So cool. that works out. When is our season open in Iowa? I think it's October, October. 1st. Okay. Yeah, early October. Are you hunting yeah. the early, early season? Or are you going to wait a little bit for like rut? Um, I must focus most of my time on the rut. I think they have some leftover turkey tags. So I'm thinking about trying to run up and do a four day turkey hunt this spring. Sweet. And kind of get my eyes on the terrain and just kind of get a little bit more to think about besides topo maps. And then I'm thinking about doing a short hunt, uh, around the opener and then coming up and spending at least two weeks up there. Uh, you know, it's, I've been building points for five years, so I really want to give it a go. Cool. That's awesome, man. I love the adventure side of things. I just like, you know, taking a, an unblazed trail more than anything. The the thicker, nastier, stupider it is, the more indelible the memory. You know, you're not going to forget yeah. the shit that you walked through where you sunk into your, your, you know, your butt crack. You're going to talk about that stuff versus taking a, you know, nice, smooth path. You're not, it's not memorable. You, but no. you'll appreciate those nice smooth paths after you've gone through some nasty stuff though, too. So, you know, it's, it's, um, I, I really value the adventure side of it more than anything. It's like a, a good way yeah. to make memories. You know, I know, you know, like there's so many people that get stoked if they go on their rutcation and they kill in the first day or two. But for me, like, which it never happens to me to be, start with, but if it did, I feel like I would not be as happy about it. Like your wife would. <laughs> Yeah, she would be really stuck if I come home early, but <laughs> Don't tell I like, her. you know, I usually find success about middle to three quarters in the hunt. I've never been the early guy and I've never been the guy that 
kills in the last 30 minutes on the last day. So like it's either I kill middle of the hunt or I go home with tag suit. But I feel like if I did kill early, I'd be a little disappointed because I work for it. You know, like it's, it's like, you know, I guess it, it stems off of my other hobbies of things that require a lot of persistence and uh, time. And I find enjoyment in that, you know, like ultra running, it's, you know, you're, you're looking at, you know, 50 to a hundred miles, you know, so you can't think about the reward in the beginning because you got a long way to go, you know? Um, and that's how I look at, you know, things that really inspire me or things that take a little bit longer to achieve. Um, and, you know, which is also, you know, I, I do a lot of stick bow hunting. I converted over to that a few years ago and, you know, it all kind of builds up on itself. And, uh, it just, for me, it's more fulfilling in life to have these things that are a little challenging. I mean, being an entrepreneur is also one of those labors of love, you know, it's all what I call type two fun. Like I'm really obsessed with things that are type two fun. I like that. They're more rewarding. You know, you got to work harder for them. There's a different sense of gratification that you get from it, that it's hard to put into words and articulate. It's certainly intrinsic, but, um, yeah, once you've done something in easy way and you challenge yourself and you kind of keep pressing into this unknown territory, it, it becomes an obsession. You know, that type two fun, it's, it's a different beast. Yeah. Yeah. Just some people just enjoy pain, I guess. <laughs> There's that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you must, I'm, I'm assuming you've read David Goggins stuff or follow some of his, as an ultra runner, right? Yeah. 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 I've read his book and I listened to some of his stuff for sure. He's crazy. I don't know him, but he's crazy. <laughs> yeah. His persona is a little different. You know, I like people a little bit more humble than him, but, uh, yeah. You know, he's definitely inspired a lot of people. Yeah, hopefully no one got hurt. I know he did this thing, what, a couple of weeks ago, uh, our, one of our friends, Mitch Baker, did, um, right, where he ran yeah. the 48 and 48 or whatever it was, 48 miles in 48 hours. I think that's yeah, correct. Yeah, 4 by 12. Or 4 by 12. Yeah, yeah, I've heard about that. Uh, I'll tell you a really cool guy, if you get into that kind of stuff, to look up is uh, a guy by the name of Chad Wright. He's a ex-Navy SEAL, um, ultra runner has a podcast uh but he's very a a very inspiring guy uh super humble but just he's tough as alligator skin you know yeah he walks a walk rather than talks a talk that's cool oh yeah definitely he's a he's a warrior those silent types man they'll get you you gotta watch out for those guys yeah absolutely no that's cool so you know you're you're pushing yourself physically mentally you enjoy the adventure and the challenge um you know, we, we know what led you to, to make the product, but, you know, that's not easy to approach. Some people have no clue where to begin. I mean, you know, at least on the product development side, you had to design this thing. Then you had to find, you know, a manufacturer, there's supply chain into that. There's, you know, the delivery to the cu- to the customer, like, how are you going to package it, ship it, support it? You know, all there's like so much stuff and you just like, all right, cool, let's do this. And now it's out there, and the response has been pretty positive. To my knowledge, I don't know of any other carbon fiber um, you know, products on the market like yours. So you know, I'm going to go ahead and share our screen and um, show off some of the stuff. If you want to walk us through some of the things you have, I think that'd be great. And you know, I won't lean on the screen too much because this will live in podcast form. Um, but for those that are watching live right now, they'll be able to see some of this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's not an easy endeavor to get into. Uh, I mean, before packaging and everything comes up, I mean, you got to have your insurance and 
you know, all that stuff in check and testing. Yeah, it's a but, uh, it's a piece of equipment that people like like you de- when you're hanging on a tree, you're depending on this thing to not fail. Because if it were to fail or be compromised, that's that's yeah, that's a claim that I would not want to um, be on the other end of. You know, it's funny. Like we're only one of the we're one of the only companies I know that sends out a testing report of our product with our products. Hmm. And I people talk about the features and benefits of our products, and they ask questions about that. But we've never had a question about if we have insurance and if we've been tested, you know, from like soliciting customers, you know? Uh, so, and, and it's, it's not like a, a, a basis of doing business. Like I could have, we could have started this company and did zero of that and started selling products, which it really shocks me because my background's in safety. I, I've been in the safety industry for um, 16 years. I, I mean, I work, uh, one of the companies I represent is a fall protection company. So I like, I've been doing this stuff, you know, around it for years and it just astonishes me for, about, you know, there's no barrier to entry into the market as far as liability, you know, yeah, where's the check and balance on that? Who's who yeah, there's yeah. no governing body that de- there's no OSHA for hunting. <laughs> no, no. I mean, there was TMA that was set up, uh, but that was more to, help companies get into retailers because the retailers required all that stuff. So essentially if you're a member of TMA, you were able to get into the big box stores. But now since e-commerce has became such a big deal, it's, it's not, there's no, it's the wild West essentially. So you just have to hope that, you know, if something was to happen and people don't think about this, but things do happen. And, you know, as a company, you have to think about it as well because, um, you know, for instance, if a guy, if Greg is climbing a tree and Greg slips on a step, you know, of a stick and nothing, or even his platform slips and he falls off. Right. And he gets injured and he has, you know, let's say severely injured and he has to, um, he needs, you know, payment for his injuries. You know, maybe he's out of work, maybe he gets seriously injured where he's paralyzed or, you know, he dies and his family's looking for support. You know, when a lawyer gets involved, they're going to start looking at everybody involved in that whole process. It's not just going to be like the stick company, everybody that had a product they're going to go after. And, um, you know, so it's interesting for me, like, you know, I I hope at least people have LLCs, but, you know, LLC can only come back to the person. And if a person doesn't have any wealth, there's not going to be anything for your family to pull out of that. You know, if a guy makes forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 a year and started a side business out of his garage and he has a net worth of, let's say, 50 grand, and most of that's tied up in his truck or house, like, you know, what, what's your family going to get? And, you know, that's something that's not really talked about very much. Um, no, I've, which is heard, I've heard no one talk about it up until this moment. Yeah. Is there, is there like, so two questions, uh, obviously you, you are adhering to this, you're submitting, um, your kind of test results, um, and safety, but is there like a badge or a stamp or something that signifies that? And then additionally, the other question is, how do people go look this stuff up for the other brands that they might be interested in? Like, where do you even go as a consumer? You can't, I mean, you would just have to ask the manufacturer and, you know, and what should you be asking specifically as a consumer? I mean, whoever you're looking to buy products from, it would be who you should ask. Like, cause you know, and we, <clears throat> we get our products tested through a lab that TMA uses because they're only people that have set up some levels of testing for these types of products. Right. I mean, I've heard other manufacturers say that their in-house testing is better than um, TMAs, but, you know, it's kind of like 
there's a reason there's audits done on companies' financial books, right? You know, it's because you can't always trust the company to do their own, you know, bookkeeping or, you know, there's reason OSHA puts up standards for other products because you can't just trust everybody to do their own in-house stuff. So TMA is the only people like for um, at height, you know, hunting products that has some level of standards to test these things. Because, you know, like for instance, for a stick or a stand, there's a weight rating associated. So you say your product is tested 300 pounds, right? And so 300 pounds is essentially a, a two times safety factor. So your product has to test pa- tests up to 600 pounds. Well, it doesn't mean, you know, a lot of products is sheer force, you know, like sitting 600 pounds of corn on top of your platform. They put it through different repetitive motions. They test different sides of the product. You know, um, like for instance, on a stick, uh, they do it. They do a, um, a weight rating on the step itself. And if anything fails, you know, your product fails. Like, and that even means like if a standoff starts to bend, your product fails. Well, that's to hit your weight rating. Well, then they do what they call a repetitive motion test on a, on a climbing stick. Whereas they run it through, if you're a two-step stick, you have to run through a thousand cycles at 300 pounds. So Shit. that. Huh? Holy shit. Yeah, that's a lot. Like, let's I just mean, think about that for a second. That's weird of a serious hunter uh, using that product. But, hey, you know, it it far exceeds what your your thought should be of what it should do, right? I mean, and when we tested ours with our first generation of the step, it passed um, 4,000 cycles. Now, did it move a little bit? Yes, it moved a little bit. But it went through 4,000 cycles and they just quit doing it because they'd been there for like five hours. You right. know, nothing else compromised on that. And so there's similar breakdowns for how they test um, tree stands, you know, like lock on tree stands and other things. Uh, and to, to this date, they still haven't really, they don't have any, TMA doesn't have any like standards in place yet for like saddles and saddle platforms. But essentially what they do with the saddle platform is they do a similar test that they're doing on the stand for the platform so i mean for a consumer if they just ask the manufacturer if they're concerned and want to know it's tested ask the manufacturer hey has your stuff been tested i mean there's a few labs that do the testing for tma that you know have these standards that they go by so it'd be easy you know to oh, find out that's good to know but it costs money i mean you know as far as a if you're a startup company you come up with this awesome idea you know one night at camp you know you're looking at just to test a stick, you're looking at a couple thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, no, it's no different with a plumbing and heating product. When you have to get ASSC testing done on it or NSF-61 for low lead or any of that stuff, you pay a lot of money to get that. They do yeah. all that series of testing. You pay five to $10,000 or whatever it is or more even to get a certification on things. But it's for our well-being. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, and even insurance, man, like to get into start off in the insurance side of things, I mean, you're looking at, you know, 17 to $20,000, uh, just to get insured. And that is if you can get insured, like it was a problem for us to get insured, um, in the beginning, but you know, the, what helped us was I had to submit a resume about myself and like my background in rock climbing, my background in fall protection as a business owner. And then, you know, we had done all this testing for our products. Like it, it wasn't easy to get insurance to start out with and it's expensive. 
It's not like you just call up progressive, like, hey, I need a plan for my product that's never seen the light of day. You know, yeah, yeah, who's gonna, who's gonna, yeah, I don't wanna take that risk, right? And if I will, then you're gonna pay me for it because we need to be able to cover it. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, like their barrier entry is like what I said, 17 to 20 grand. And then as your business grows, it becomes a percentage of your business. So once you go over uh, that, $20,000 $20,000 mark, they start hitting you. And so, I mean, you know, these companies are really producing, let's say a million dollars in revenue for any products. Like they're, they're shelling out serious insurance money. So I think that's things that people should really consider. And I know reasons think- to not start a company, <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, I know, man. Like you can't rely on an LLC saving your, saving your ass. I'll tell you that. Like, I mean, it will potentially save your ass, but what about the person that got injured, you know, in the, in the event that something did happen, you know, right, right. when you produce enough of something, there's going to be a problem somewhere down the line. It's just inevitable, you know, like this, it's just going to happen. I mean, we've produced, you know, thousands of steps and we've had two break out of thousands, you know, like something happened, you know, it's just, it, and it comes down to, just when you buy material, sometimes there's an imperfection in materials. When you buy that much of it, you're going to find it out. I mean, you, you look at, and there's no company out there, you know, they don't want to market it that they've had any issues. But if you watch these Facebook groups enough for stuff, you see everybody hmm. has type of failure. More a lot common than others, but they seem to get, those threads end up getting deleted or something over time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so sweep that under the rug. We don't want that to get out. But, you know, yeah. I think you're doing, you're doing the right, that's the right approach. I mean, Putting your customer first, quite literally, um, and valuing them and their lives is a pretty important factor in entry to do business. You need to care about the product and the end consumer and the result that, you know, you want them to be successful. You certainly don't want them to have a problem out there. Um, could alter their life. I mean, not, not even like death could probably be the worst thing, but that might not be the worst thing. Like someone could become paralyzed and, and then their quality of life is shit for the next 30 years, right? So. Uh, that would be yeah. just as bad, in my opinion, for me at least. That would be worse. I'd rather just eat the dust yeah. right there, you know? I mean, I saw a couple guys post some pictures this year, you know, because, like, you know, with the lightweight mobile products, and, and, you know, we have Aiders, but Aiders became this huge thing over the last couple of years, putting on their sticks. And I saw a couple photos last, last season of people taking a whip, you know, a whipper on their Aider and, like, their tree stick you know, the tree, their climbing stick step lacerating their calf muscle. Like one dude had a serious laceration from it, you know, just because especially with these ones that attach to your Versa button, you know, they just swing like this. Right. Uh, and like, I think that, you know, those types are the ones that tend to have the most um, issues with somebody like getting off kilter, you know, especially if you're hunting on a slanted tree or something like that, you know, gravity pulls you to the uh, one side more than yep, the other. to the downside of it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's enough about that, I guess. <laughs> I, I didn't expect to cover that, but you know, honestly, that's that's stuff that, like you said, not many people are talking about. And I think it's interesting. You know, safe, yeah, safety. Is, you know, it's not. You know, it's not funny. Safety. <laughs> like, take yeah. it freaking serious. Oh yeah. man, what's the what's yeah, the joke there? You ever yeah, heard yeah. the joke joke about safety? No, because it's not funny. Like, take it serious. Yeah, no, you should, man. I mean, especially if you do stuff like I do, and you're in the middle of nowhere with lack of cell service and I do by yourself and you know something happens to you like I mean I think a lot of guys don't think about it as much and in like I have a 
full blown first aid kit that I carry in my pack because I mean, you look at how many people have stepped on a broadhead, you know, and it's went into their calf and caused a serious laceration. How many people have fallen? You know, there's all these things that can happen to you. And you have to think about that because it's one they call them accidents, right? And if you don't have a, a plan for that, it's it's the real deal. I mean, even if you're going like a Colorado elk hunt with a buddy and you're four or five miles out and your buddy breaks a leg, like what's your plan to get that guy out, you know? Or, or if you're solo, how are you getting yourself out, you know? Like uh, I went to Alaska this year for the first time and I've been in some, through rock climbing and some Western hunts, I've been in some pretty remote areas, but when I went to Alaska, like it's the real deal out there. Like, you know, we drove 600 miles up the Dalton Highway from Fairbanks. We took a float plane 200 miles. And so you're in the middle of nowhere. Like something really happens to you. Like it's could be easily a life or death situation over something that's wouldn't be if you were, you know, at your house, you know what I mean? Right. So, you know, it puts yeah, these things like, in. It's not like people are climbing trees every day, you know, of the year. Otherwise I'm not climbing a tree right now. I'm not going to until hunting season, you know, or unless I get some hand, my hands on some new products and go test around my backyard. Yeah. You know, th- th- beyond that, then you're just, it's just not something you do frequently enough to feel that's where it just introduces more potential risk um, that wouldn't otherwise be there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, and I think it's gotten, it's definitely gotten a lot better than it was. I mean, coming up, we, you know, you look at the stands and stuff that we use back in the day. Um, I mean, you look back now and you're like, geez, like I used to get 25, 30 feet up and, didn't even think about safety harnesses because they weren't there. There wasn't such a thing. And you were using a, a platform that was essentially attached with the chain and, you know, momentum holding it down. You know, you had one chain going across the top and essentially went in the bottom. If you didn't step on that thing perfectly from the top, you try to put it inside, that thing would kick out on you all day long. Yeah. The good old lock on tree stand. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, all that kind of stuff, man. So it's definitely came a long way, but, uh, you know, I think is uh, it has a long way to go as well. Yeah, it's a, it's an industry that's uh, there's a lot of innovation happening right now, and you're part of that. You're part of that innovation. I think maybe you know I'll pull up the website now um, and take a look at this thing as we see it on our screen, and you can kind of see it here. Um, I don't know if I can zoom in or not. I might be able to zoom in so people can see it just a little bit better. Um, you know, but it's. It's not a single step like, you know, the ones that I've been using that, uh, you know, I have my own set, but they're they're not in great shape. And then Greg lent me some this last season where it's the alternating, you know, so you have a full two step. You can get both boots on this thing. So I would imagine, you know, uh, with everybody saddle hunting, uh, a friend of ours, Anthony Heller with Deervane, he doesn't use a platform. He just uses sticks, um, hmm. you know, for his quote unquote platform. And that works for him. You know, I'm not saying everyone does that. Obviously, there's a number of platforms that exist out there, but your product is incredibly like. Is yours the lightest on the market? Is there a is there a lighter stick? Uh, I mean, technically, Tethered's new one stick is lighter, but it's also shorter. You mm-hmm. know, so it gets in this like. There's a lot of people, and this is something I laugh about, but you can go to most any tree stick manufacturers website and they all claim to have the lightest stick on the market oh even well, that's funny yeah yeah it, it, so you know there it's it's marketing buzzwords but you know I, I guess inch for inch we probably do have i would say we have the lightest on the market but the lightweight is one thing about our stick which is awesome and great but that's really not everything about it you know of why it was developed and how we use it like yeah it was when we developed it, you know, 
that was before even the B stick was out is when I actually made these, uh, didn't bring them to market then, but you know, the B stick I would say is the first lighter weight stick that came to the market is a lightweight mobile hunting stick. You know, when I was doing this, um, everybody was still using the Hawks or lone wolf, um, the original lone wolf sticks, which, you know, are long and heavy. Yeah, they're not, they work. They work. Yeah. They work. Yeah. I've been using them for years. But there is yeah. something to be desired there with that alternating step. You know, my my dad, um, you know, that's what I have. And he, he's like, yeah, I just can't give up that other step. You just never know what predicament you're going to find yourself in where you might want to just alternate feet. And I, he's like, I just, you know, and I'm with him. I, I When I was younger, I probably didn't care at all because you're young and you can nothing. You're invincible, right? Well, now I'm not old yet, but I'm getting older and, you know, I'm a klutz. So I need, I, I like the idea of having a double, a double wide. Yeah, it, I mean, you know, when you let's say if you're a person that uses four sticks or so, I mean, just the whole thought process of at the end of the day at night, you know, trying to remember which side was out when you're getting off your stand, mm-hmm. you know, and some guys don't want to use a headlamp or anything to get down. And I remember there was always this guessing game or even as you're setting up, like you have to think about it. How am I going to alternate this? I'm on the right side of the Yeah. Or you bump that peg with your boot as you're jumping or you're making the move off the stick and onto the platform. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, and setting it up to when you get up there, it's like, well, you know, if I'm going to set my lock on or platform up on the right side, I need to have my top step be the, turning to the left to step out with my left foot, you know, like all these things come into play and you don't really think about it until you, you know, you're fatigued from hunting four or five days and it's cold and you're just ready to get, get the hell out of there, you know, and that's, that's something you got to think about. Um, so, but I mean, I made do with it for years and it really, at the end of the day, didn't really bug me. But when I went and developed the, the double steps, it, it, it definitely made life a lot easier. Uh, you know, just took the thought process out and, um, and, and, you know, and that's another reason we made the double steps. We wanted our top step to be flush with the top of the tube because I, I don't know about you guys, but you know, when I'm setting a uh, tree stand or something, a lot of times I'll put my foot across that top step and I didn't want that peg sticking up from the tube. Nope. Uh, so, you know, that's one of the reasons we made it uh, flat across the top. Or I'll even just out of habit step to that area and end up catching the top of the, the tube anyway. Yeah. And then kind of balancing back on my heel on the, on the outreach peg. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, also, you know, for us, you know, like our overall length is, you know, step to step length, you know, or not step to step, but the overall tube, there's not like any difference, you know, cause we don't have to stagger the steps or anything. Um, so, you know, our 20-inch stick stays 20 inches through, you know, a stack of four, you know, for the full profile of four sticks or however many you choose to have in your bundle. Sure. And the stackability of them, how would you rate that? Uh, you know, I mean, for my design idea and needs, uh, I think it's it's really good. I mean, is it like they stack into the uh, – So they stack into the, the step themselves. So essentially your standoff goes into the step. And, you know, like there's, there's, not, there's not much movement to it. No. You know, and all I do is take and take my whatever. I use rope for my attachment method. People call it rope mod or whatever. I just wrap around the sticks a couple of times. 
and it, it, it doesn't come loose. You know, if any of you not criticizing the original lone wolves, but when you stacked them, they had a tendency to fall apart when you put them on your pack or something like that. We wanted to leave. I might've made a too. video about that. You did make a video about that. <laughs> you want a good laugh, go check out OKS Hunter. There's a video in there of him getting a little frustrated with his sticks. And it's okay, you know, Andre uh, laughed at that video, so I didn't, like, you know, piss anybody off. No. I think we can all relate to that kind of stuff. And that's not a stab at those sticks. That's just me in general having a hard time with everything. <laughs> uh, but, no, that's stuff like that. If I can just, boom, stack it right into itself, I don't have to think about it. That's easy. That's easy. I'd be, I'd be done with that in two minutes rather than, like, getting, like, the one notch line up the other hole, but I have the silent tape on there so it's not, like, fitting right and... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we market it, you know, as our sticks being ready to hunt. I mean, in all our products that we we're coming out with, they're going to be easy, simple, ready to hunt products out of the box. You know, like, you know, yeah, our aluminum sticks we, we came out with, they're just an economy version of our stick that incorporates aluminum. It's going to be louder because the benefits of carbon fiber besides weight is like, there's no metal clang that you get. Like if you hit them with a carabiner or something else, like it doesn't, make this unnatural noise that's going to alert a deer uh and you know but our aluminum one yeah that one coming out of the box like if you want to be super quiet yeah you got to put on some stealth strips but our flagship product you don't have to do that stuff out of the box you know so there's a lot of products out there that are close in price point to ours but to get them to be in my opinion like hunt ready you got to put money and time in stealth strips and all these other like modifications and i don't know about you guys but my time is pretty valuable so like when I start putting my hourly rate to modifying products, the cost of that product goes through the roof really quick. Sure. Um, so, but I mean, we, we do have people spray paint them and tape them up, you know, just add their own flair, but they're ready to go out of the box. You don't have to assemble them. They're and, just ready. To and carbon fiber, like it, it is stronger, correct? Uh, I mean, in some Not to go back to the safety stuff, but just in general, like carbon fiber is known to be really strong and lightweight, yeah. right? That's my oh, idea yeah. of it. Extremely strong. Uh, you know, and, and there's all these carbon fiber isn't like just a, you know, there's one style of it. I mean, it, it's a, it's a, a, the fibers that are used can be configured in multiple ways using other types of materials to make them even stronger. I mean, you can take Kevlar and weave it in with carbon fiber to have properties of that product in the, into carbon fiber as well. I mean, there's different thicknesses, there's different epoxies and, uh, there's also a lot of different ways of, um, of making the finished product through different processes. Um, I mean, our, our first offering with the sticks is essentially a, um, a propulsion tube. So essentially what that means is, aluminum tube is extruded so it's pushed through a, a mandrel well propulsion is like essentially the fibers and resins are pulled through a mandrel and that's how like the tube is made for our carbon fiber but like the stuff that we're coming out with you know for our tree or lock on tree stand and things like that is completely different technology like you know nothing you see here is really anywhere close to the new technology we'll be using on the stand and stuff and you know the other things we have planned for that that type of you got to be excited about that do you have any um dates or like not yeah, that we would hold you to it or anything right we're not trying to get yeah. you to say this day but yeah. when are you thinking yeah, that some bitch said um no uh, <laughs> man we've been working on it for about two years and uh 
I mean, we played with different prototypes until we, you know, essentially it was a hybrid stand to begin with. And now we've finally found the right partner that can, that knows enough about carbon fiber and actually want to take on a hunting product. You know, most of them make a lot more money doing aerospace projects and things like that, medical devices, then, and, and they turn their nose up to you when you talk about hunting products, but we've found a really good partner and man, they, they're on the cutting edge of carbon fiber technology. And we partnered with them last year uh, in March and with the hopes of having the product out in July, well, we went through a few little process, expensive processes and um, prototypes, but um, we're about four weeks out right now from having the production prototype ready. Wow. So, Wow, that's a big deal. That's exciting. Four weeks is like nothing compared to the two years you've been at it. So. Yeah, I know. I mean, there again, it's like what we talked about earlier. It's it's a marathon, not a sprint. You know, if you if you want to do something, you know, especially in these products, if you want to do something that's not been done before, it's going to cost you money, hey, and it's going to be a lot of time because, you know, it's I'm not knocking anybody that's doing stuff aluminum. We're doing stuff aluminum too, but it's not that hard to go down the pro you know, you can change your design from other people's design, but like the processes have already been established, you know, like, um, the cast aluminum was established with lone wolf, you know, back in the day. So it wasn't hard for people to understand it. Yeah. Cast will work. Um, now people are water jet cutting, uh, out of aluminum, which it's not, I think nothing really new, you know, like in far as that manufacturing world, but, um, but you know, when you start trying to do something different that hasn't been done, like it takes a lot of time and money. Uh, and I mean, we'll have, I mean, that stand, we have thousands and thousands of dollars in it. And like, if it was all about money for me, I would have given up on it a long time ago, <laughs> but you know, this whole, com- whole company is a passion thing for me. It's not, it, it's, it has nothing to do with financial gains. Like it's, I really love doing it and create these products. And so, yeah, I almost gave up at one point with the stand, but I'm like, I'm going to see this damn thing through. And, uh. You know, at the end of the day, if we sell 10 of them, we could at least say, hey, we came out with a, you know, first badass lock on carbon fiber. Well, hopefully, hopefully it's more than that. And you get to reap the yeah. benefits of being, you know, the first mover advantage there. Um, you know, it's intriguing. It's intriguing having a lightweight, strong product that's done in a new way in, in a world where like the mobile hunting thing is top of mind for I've been a public land hunter my whole life. And that's yeah. not to say, you know, for some reason, it seems like in the last couple of years, it's become a big badge of honor and it's been coming cooler uh, as more people have been like promoting it, et cetera. But, you know, when you're a public land hunter, you got to move. Someone is going to bump you out of your spot. It, it might not be available next time. You like you have to be moving. And and the concept of I mean, this is like maybe two years ago when I finally realized that a lot of hunters would get down on a set in the same hunt and move closer and make micro adjustments based on what the deer were doing or not doing. And I never did that because it was too much of a pain in the ass to get in the tree. Like once I was in that tree, like I was set, like I'm not moving again. If I see deer over there. Oh, well, cause yeah. it's just too much, you know, messing around. But now, you know, after hunting with Greg, I was able to like really de- surprisingly, by the way, Greg, uh, decrease the amount of effort and time it took me to get up and down these trees. You're welcome. Yeah, no, it, it's a compliment. Um, he would still say it takes me forever, but if he would have seen me before, you're getting better. You get better with every sit. You get better, you know, repetition. You get better at driving the more you drive. It's the same, right. same yeah. concept. Put in the reps, you, you get the results. But you know, having some tooling and some equipment along the way to help enable that type of hunting style 
is a pretty big deal also. And if you can lighten the load on your back, I mean, you're going to do what you're going to do regardless of what's on your back. And if you can lighten the load, it's just a big bonus. A lot of guys are shaving pounds, but it's not like you're going on a 50 mile hump. You know, you're, you're walking maybe three miles into the woods, five tops or something. Who's yeah. going more than well, that? I don't know. I mean, there's such a fad. I mean, if, if there's, it doesn't matter what hobby you're in. Like it tends to always be a, bad for things to get lighter yeah right? fishing like, rods gotten lighter uh bicycles have gotten lighter tennis shoes, tents everything has gotten yeah. lighter yeah i mean and you know when i was racing bikes you know our carbon fiber bikes which you know we i started when the aluminum bikes were the only thing and then i went through the carbon transition and you know we got free bikes because we were a sponsored team and you know we would joke because like there were so many guys out there that weren't very fit but they always wanted the lightest gear and it's like well the easiest way to get lighter gear is you know take care of yourself and like no matter what like we were still going to do the job no matter what our equipment weighed and that's the same thing with hunting like i was lugging around 30 pound climber you know and still killing animals and going i don't go any deeper now than i did then it's just easier hopefully a little bit easier yeah and and now you can put on some pounds you can displace it a little bit yeah my stand's lighter i can eat that donut you know (laughs) Exactly. Well, you know, it's, um, and gear is the easiest thing for people to talk about, you know, and and nerd out about because it's easy to buy equipment. And I mean, it's awesome that there's this huge, like buzz in the industry for mobile hunting. I think it's rad. And I think, you know, people are having a lot of fun doing it, but like, you know, gear is the easiest thing to fix in your situation. Like what's the hardest thing to fix and what makes you a better hunter is between your ears. And that, that is, People don't, they want to buy, bypass that and buy their way to it. And you really can't, you know, <laughs> like, um, none of my gear is going to make you a better hunter, you know, will it make you a little bit more efficient? Yeah. But is it going to make you stay, stay in a tree for seven, eight days on a hunt, like hunting all day? Like, not really, you know, like, yeah, maybe if you can justify like, the money you spend on it, like, well, no, I got it. Cause it's gotta be worth it. But yeah, short of that. Right. Probably not. Yeah. yeah. I don't guarantee you a deal. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like people complain about saddle comfort, like, well, geez, if you sit in something for 12 day, twelve hours a day for four or five days, everything sucks. Right. You know? Even the air ride in the semi-truck isn't going to freaking hold. Yeah, <laughs> like, come on. But, uh, but it, it, you know, it's awesome, and I'm glad they're, you know, obviously the people that are stoked on cool, innovative products. Uh, you know, if not, we wouldn't have sold one to begin with because we're, at the time, we're, and I guess still, we're probably one of the more expensive products on the market. That's good. But people putting their, you know, like they understand, like you can take once, you know, if you have a, a compact kit, let's say, uh, I mean, even with today's saddle platform, saddle and sticks, I mean, you can get under 10 pounds or right around 10 pounds, you know, whereas back in the day you had to have, you know, you were 30 pounds. So people were buying multiple sets and even on public land, pre hanging stuff, you don't have to do that anymore. You know, you, you spend a little bit more money and just have your one set that you carry with you all the time. And it's yours kind of how we do it yeah yeah hmm. yep i spent a couple of years hunting on the ground because i just you didn't have anything well i did but it wasn't it was too too much of a too cumbersome it was just too cumbersome so i just jettisoned the whole concept and i you know relinquished relinquished it to being safer you know now that i got kids i didn't want to be taking some of this antiquated stuff up a tree and you know risking things and now it's changed now i'm a little bit more confident i got the proper safety gear and, and ways to get me up there and it's fine. You know, show my wife in the backyard. Look, this is how I do it. Okay, I'm safe the whole time. 
I'm strapped yeah. in the tree the whole way up. I get in there, I'm clipped in, we're all good to go, right? Nothing's going to happen. Worst case scenario, I, you know, probably bust a nut or something, you know, on, yeah. the, on the, on the freaking you know, thing, the harness grabbing me when I fall. Yeah. No, you, I mean, I end up working my way closer to the ground. I do a lot of ground hunting just because that makes it even more complex, you know? Oh gosh. We got our buddy over here, deers and beers making fun. No, they're not matching. Not at all. Not even the same brand. (laughs) (laughs) But we're both wearing flannels. That was not planned. Thanks, Ryan. (laughs) I didn't notice that. I was wondering if that was a Wisconsin thing. No. Well, it's pissing rain, and it was pretty nice out midday. I think we hit mid-60s today, and then now it's pissing rain and kind of cold and crappy out. So. Yeah, it's a dreary day, but, you know, April showers. This or a hoodie like what you're wearing, so. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still, like, living in the mountains. We Still, still getting cooler at nights, but we've had some pretty good days. Yeah, it's been nice. The longer days, uh, with daylight savings. I know some people are against daylight savings, but whatever the longer days, you greening up down there? Uh, we're not, uh, but you know, a little bit lower than us starting to green up. I was just in Alabama for a turkey hunt, and cool. uh, it was greening up pretty decent there. Cool. I'm headed to Florida on Friday, so it'll be plenty green there. Oh, yeah. It's been green there. What well, stays green, technically? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't get not green. What's your, uh, Jason, what's your setup? What are you, obviously, you're using your sticks, but what are you using to climb trees? Like, what are you, are you you're out of a saddle? Uh, do what now? Are you, you're hunting out of a saddle? Uh, yeah, I hunted out of a saddle a lot this year just because we were designing and prototyping some stuff. So, uh, this year, I primarily used, I mean, I carry four sticks if I go out of town, but honestly, I rarely use over three. Uh, a lot of my setups, I'm about two sticks high. And uh, I always keep, if I have four sticks, I, I use two two of our aiders on there because we have the retractable aider. So I, I put two of those on my set of four sticks I carry, but typically I'm using two uh, and been, you know, working with a saddle platform and a saddle uh, this year I primarily used, uh, a TX five saddle, which, you know, he makes a pretty good saddle. Um, and, um, I was using, I used a lot of different platforms this year. Uh, which one did you like? You know, um, I really like, I really, honestly, I like the original predator the most from tethered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just small, like. You know, their XL version, um, for me, like, I didn't see the advantages of the extra size for it. Um, you know, for how I shoot, I need a little bit more depth than the platform. And they really don't have a lot more depth than that uh, XL over the original. They want more for their width, um, which I didn't need that. Uh, so, um, well, you know, for reason I want the depth is because I like to stand to shoot my stick bow, especially for a weak side shot. And it was tough to do that, you know, on any platform I tried this year, which is uh, one of the additions we made to our platform. It's like, I want it to be a little bit deeper. That's cool. And then I, I hunted, uh, you know, our prototype uh, carbon fiber stand for a lot of the year two. But I really enjoy hunting out of a saddle. I even use my saddle in, um, when I'm using my lock on as well. To me, it, you know, we've been down the saddle. We should probably do another saddle episode, but and, uh, get some folks on for that too. But there's a lot of benefits. It was comfortable and safe. I, I really am, 
you know, in my middle aged self, like I'm a little bit more about Spring safety. chicken. Be quiet, young. Pup. I just like I like to be. I want to be safe. I don't want to fall off a tree. I just don't want to do it. So you know, the fact that you never are unclipped the whole time, you don't have to separate to make that you know transition or what have you. Um, it's just less putzing around. You're just good to go. Yeah. Well, you know, with the saddle, like you, you know everyone comes with Lyman's loop so you can use a Lyman's belt on the tree. And I never used one ever. Uh, I always maintain contact with the tree rather than my sticks when I'm climbing, because I always, my theory was if my stick gives out, at least I got my hand on the, you know, a couple of points of contact close to the tree to be able to hug the tree. And so I never would fall completely backwards. Like I see people climbing with sticks all the time and they're grabbing the steps and pulling back. Well, if that goes out and you know, your person that's not wearing a Lyman's belt, you're falling on your back you know, depending on how high you are. And that's, that's the fall you don't want, you know, it's way less catastrophic to fall straight down is to fall back. That's how most people get injured is falling backwards, hitting their heads or, you know, landing on their spine on a rock or something like that. But uh, th- that's the beauty of a saddle. And I agree with you hundred percent. Like if you hunt with a saddle, you're pretty much always connected. And don't be fooled thinking that a lineman's belt is going to stop you right there. If you fall, that lineman's belt, you're going to get a face full of bark and steps as you slide down, you know, but <laughs> yep could be a lot better than, you know, the other result, you know, uh, I mean, technically the easiest and safest way. And what I do a lot of times, like, and it's just pure laziness. Um, when I go to get down at night, like I, I just use my tether and move my tether down the tree with me instead of it unhooking and re reattaching the lineman's belt. That's cool. Do you have, um, do you guys put out like content on YouTube, like how to's and things like that for your products or. Yeah, I mean, we've done some, like I did one recently uh, talking about how to properly climb a tree and how I climb a tree uh, with our step, our sticks, but we are going to produce a lot more safety content. I mean, I do uh, fall protection training and inspection training for, you know, construction companies and manufacturing facilities. So like, and, and from being a rock climber, I know a ridiculous amount about ropes, knots, you know, things like that. And unfortunately, so many people are YouTube heroes these days and like started saddle hunting and using ropes like, you know, yesterday, but they've YouTube it and are giving all these other people advice on how to, what knots work and blah, blah, blah. And like, I think that's scary in itself. Um, you know, there needs to be more information out there from people that know what they're doing, uh, and have a legitimate background teaching people how to do some of these things. Cause it, it, it is kind of scary. Well, that's cool. I look forward to some of that stuff. I mean, those are, once you go down these rabbit holes and you find someone that is an authority on it and, and not just some sort of thought leader because they've kind of positioned themselves that way, you know, it's yeah. uh, it's, it's good to get information from people that know what the hell they're talking about and can back it up, you know, and obviously you have some products to show off and I think that's pretty neat too. You can talk about a lot of how your stuff integrates with that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm about to do one actually on, uh, when our saddle comes out, uh, I'll do a, a proper inspection of your equipment, you know, like I see a lot of video or questions about people want to know if their rope is safe, you know, just because you see this fraying going on or whatever or webbing having a little fray. And like, you know, there, there's a good, there's an easy way of understanding that to know what's going to keep you safe and what's not going to keep you safe. You know, like what is really a problem with your product that needs to have that product taken out of service, you know? Um, so we're, we're definitely going to do one on that pretty soon here or less than a month. It's just, it's a passion slash side business. So like my, our content isn't 
uh, our YouTube content right now isn't as frequent as we want it to, but we're, we're going to get there this year for sure. Yeah, that's cool. And I'm looking forward to seeing the new stand also. Um, you know, I shared the website a couple of times, but you know, we'll bring the plane in for landing here. You know, just to, just to correct myself from the beginning, it's timber ninja outdoors.com. And, uh, you know, your products are for sale via the website. Are your lead times in good shape given the year we had, uh, your sup- your supply chain is healthy. Uh, what can people expect there? Yeah. I mean, on the, we keep trying to build up excess stock on the carbon, like, and we can never get ahead on it. And, uh, so we, we've been running about four weeks, uh, on the carbon sticks. And, um, I think we're going to, as of today, we have a few, I don't know, maybe 50 or so extra that are going to be built out of this next build. So, and we're trying to stay ahead of that. Like we've been putting in forecast models, but we keep exceeding those. Like I, I would have thought things would have slowed down, uh, after hunting season, but actually like January and February were some of our, they were really good months for us. Um, and March is trending to be the same. I got tax uh, returns. You got stimulus, you get people, you know, their pockets are a little bit more padded than normal. And I think people look at their gear more year round than they used to as yeah. well. That's a, yeah. this is the time the, the mobile movement has taken over. Yeah. And people want, they know about, you know, a lot of these companies, you know, don't, you don't really understand how to forecast for a new product. Right. And, uh, and it's hard, you know, cause like nobody's going to throw 300 grand at inventory on a startup company mm. just to hope, hope it works out. Um, and we've thought about going to like just buy what we have model, but most of our customers have been really, they've been satisfied with our turnaround and we're very communicative, uh, on, um, what our lead times are and he messages, you know, we can give you a pretty good date, but like, you know, with economy starting back up, some of our uh, subs are getting busier too. So we're like having to really stay ahead of on them and, you know, but all of our like parts manufacturers, cause we get half our product, we get our tubes from one company and all of our other parts come from another company. And, uh, but they're keeping stuff on the floor for us. But the, the tube is the hardest, the carbon fiber tube is the hardest to keep up with. It takes, um, about a month from when we produce or produce a PO for them, for them to, you know, build that up. And like I said, we keep building, building ahead and we, you know, can't keep up. So yeah, it sounds like you're not the only one though. Most people we've talked to on the show, if you go back to any of the episodes that are product driven episodes, it's the same, same for everybody. I've not heard anything different yet. Yeah, no, I mean, it is. And, um, our aluminum sticks, we, we went ahead and bought in real heavy on those from the beginning. So, uh, there was a little bit of a delay in getting the first ones out, but like we're good to go uh, for a little bit, you know, uh, on being able to ship on order with those. Um, and with the stand, we're probably, I think we're only going to do pre-orders um, and sell what we have getting produced. And that's it. Like the thing that gets you is like, especially like when it gets busy during hunting season, having back orders and stay on top of that is a, is a pain in the ass. And, creates a lot of stress for everybody. So like when we do the release of the stand, you know, we're going to do it in like 250 piece increments and do a few sales like that. I mean, we may bump it up if, you know, production's higher, but uh, we just want to stay ahead on, you know, get it done and not have any issues with people or people waiting to order a week before season and, you know, shooting you messages every day about, Hey, yeah. It said six weeks, but I've got to hunt next week, you know, mm-hmm. uh, 
which I understand. I'm, I get the same way. Uh, we all have this optimism in our mind when we order something that, you know, it says one thing, but we think it's going to happen sooner. You know, right. it's like. You got the right idea about communicating. I mean, Amazon is a great example of that. They give you a heads up every time. And it's like, it's six doors away. It's like, it doesn't matter if it's going to come in four weeks, but if they tell me about what's happening along the way, you stay content. If you lose that communication, that's when things get weird because people are in the dark and it's hard to like, well, what the fuck is it? You know, like what's going on? So if you keep yeah. them in the loop, then usually they're pretty content, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like with our new products coming out, like with the saddle and stuff, like our saddle manufacturer makes fall protection and they make thousands of units weekly. And, you know, we can turn around pretty high volume with that in a matter of days. So I feel confident with that. I mean, I've seen their process. So uh, we hope to be ahead of the, which we're trying to stay ahead of stuff, man. And it's just, it is what it is at the end of the day. It's like a question came through from, uh, so don't let the name flee. It's actually Ryan. Uh, but on Facebook, he's got a weird alias. So he's asking, how long does it take the average person to put one of your stands in the dark? Are you worried about it being too loud? No, I would say, I mean, the stand isn't out yet. And if it's carbon fiber, I wouldn't be worried about being too loud, huh? No, I mean, talking about the sticks, maybe. Uh, well, you know, with sticks or a stand, like it depends on your comfort level and how quick you can put up stuff, you know, like, um, even though I make this stuff and I've been hunting for so many years, like the first, the season's always rocky for me. I don't know about you guys. Like I'm still learning my process. Yeah. It's a relearning the learning curve again. Yeah. And you know, but, but like, you know, our season starts in September, uh, by middle October, I could do it with my eyes blinded, you know? Uh, but you know, with four sticks and setting up a stand, I usually can be up in 15 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've gotten better. And also the equipment's gotten better, you know, with being able to attach sticks to your side of your saddle and stuff like that to where it makes it pretty pretty smooth and simple. Um, so the only problem that ever, you know, arises if you have these weird trees and getting your saddle platform or stand to actually cam properly. That's, that's always the fun part. That's the biggest crux right there. Yeah. yeah. That turns into the 25 plus minute hang because sweat and frustration. Every and... time you try to cam lock that dumb thing to the tree, it slides down and you're going, no, this isn't what I want. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I don't feel comfortable standing on the edge of this, mm-hmm. but, um, but from a carbon fiber, you know, as a whole is <clears throat> quiet, you know, like you're not going to, I've heard some stands getting put up, you know, like newer stands and you can hear the metal metallic noise pretty easy. Even just like, you know, camming it, you can hear it. Uh, but with the carbon, you, it, it won't be the same. It's, it's, it's not loud at all from that perspective. Cool. We appreciate you taking time out of your day, running all the stuff you got going on over there. And it's valuable yeah. for us. It's valuable for the listeners. It's great to learn about a product that's I think is super innovative um, you know, I've been watching you for a while since you talked with, uh, Adam over at the Bowhunter Chronicles. Uh, I think I caught that episode and I don't remember if you were in on a vitals live or something. I maybe it was one of those two or I don't know. It was one of the other or both. Um, but I was like, then I just went on a total nerd trip and looked at all your stuff. I was like, we got to talk, we got to get you on the show. So yeah, we appreciate man. you, man. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Uh, yeah. Adam's a good dude. I, yeah. I've done the vitals thing with him and his, his podcast probably talk to him about every other day he messaged me or something he's yeah, a good guy he's a, a good guy good yeah a lot of good people in the industry man like it's there's days i get frustrated with folks and like what you see on these groups but ultimately you gotta think that there's always going to be a, 
a percentage of assholes out there and the ultimately we're like we're all in it for the same reason there's awesome people out there and we have awesome customer base like just just good people and, and not every not every end user has the same skill set we do either no no and half of them let Case the keyboard point. talk the way <laughs> yeah but i'm not a keyboard warrior either <laughs> yeah that guy yeah, yeah. the a, keyboard you, allows people to make a lot of yeah comments keyboard cojones yep used to be the phone now it's a keyboard whatever yeah. you know you just can't please everybody and honestly if you haven't pissed someone off you haven't been you haven't been in business long enough right <laughs> you're not a real business I, <laughs> yeah i've gotten to a point where i almost want to like finance an octagon for like trade shows and it's like let people just fight it out <laughs> duke it like, out go finish it get it yeah, done like, yeah you know you've got the, you, these kind of problems let's go out here and finish it like, yep there now we're good right yeah that's funny well, cool. Hey, guys, I'm going to end the, the live feed. Uh, be sure to check out Timber Ninja, TimberNinjaOutdoors.com. And, um, you know, this will be aired tonight in podcast land per usual. So thanks, everybody, for tuning into the live feed. And, uh, yeah, have a great day. See you in the next one. What's up, everyone? Anthony Heller here with Dear Vane, and this week's tip of the week comes from listening to a lot of podcasts like Eric and Greg's, uh, interviewing a lot of people on my own podcast, and then also my own experience. And that is that information is greater than gear. And what I mean by that is understanding the terrain, the deer habits on that terrain, the deer patterns, the food sources, the lay of the land, how they're going to use it, when to be and where to be there is going to help you be far more successful than buying the newest bow or buying the newest piece of camo or the newest scent elimination spray or the newest boots or anything like that. So if you have the opportunity in this downtime this summer, I know in the spring and the summer, I know a lot of people want to focus on their gear and figure out their gear, but the first priority should be understanding your piece of property and building that knowledge base. If you aren't 100% positive on a game plan on how you're going to attack this piece of property that you're hunting in the fall of 2021, spend your time there first. Knock that off the list and develop a game plan before you go and, and try to throw money at the problem. I've done that personally. I have done that for years and and prior to about four years ago, all I did was throw, try to throw money at it. Oh, I need, I need the new bow. Oh, I need a saddle. Oh, I need a tree stand, a nicer mobile setup. I need all this stuff in order to be successful. And really, when I started scouting a ton in the spring and a ton in the fall during season and in the winter, like after season and during season, that is where almost all of my opportunities came from the following year was developing that baseline of information. So when I saw a deer do something or or I got a look at a track or I saw a new scrape or something, I could mentally in my head go, okay, here is most likely what this deer is doing and how it's going from point A to point B. And in order to do that, I know from being on this landscape so much, there is a pinch point or there's a funnel or there's a spot that I can ambush this deer in this area. And that is what's gonna set you up for success more so than having absolutely no idea where to be, but having the coolest camo. Like that doesn't help you at all. All right, so that was a little long-winded response, but, but please just a friendly reminder that information is a priority over material. All right, catch you guys later.
is a fantastic tip, especially coming off of a gear podcast. It's funny how much uh, Jason was talking about similar things with us. Uh, just that like gear is important. Yes, but the knowledge that you have uh, and can acquire and learn is far more important. <clears throat> that being said, having the right gear for the right situations, once you get that knowledge, you know, can enable you and help you and you know, be comfortable or uh, prepared to handle different scenarios. If you have to, you know, get into deep water, having the right boots and comfortability if you're going a long distance and having the right stand and set up for various tree types, it all comes together, but it has to live on top of the knowledge base first. Otherwise that stuff doesn't do any good at all. So uh, totally agree with Anthony there. I think that's a fantastic tip. And if you haven't checked out Deervane uh, podcast, you should really go do that. His YouTube channel is great too, as well as his Instagram. He's always putting out great, insightful, practical information. And uh, that's why we like to have him do our tip of the week because he's just better at it. That being said, uh, switching gears for this podcast, um, we may or may not be doing a show next Tuesday. I may or may not be taking PTO and doing some family stuff. So I'm not entirely sure what next week will hold for the 30th. However, we are back either way, whether we're recording on the 30th or not, it'll be a surprise, uh, but we're for sure recording on the 6th and every Tuesday thereafter, obviously. Uh, we're back with Bomar Tonic on April 6th. And um, the announcement for the giveaway will also be that day, the a April 6th. Um, just figuring out a couple things. We might just push, push the easy button on that and give everybody Kamala's gift cards. So if you have a preference for a gift card, let me know and, and we can work something out there. Potentially, there's eight members in our giveaway. So um, half of them will win at least. And then any additional uh, might win some ancillary uh, products, like some smaller ticket items. So that being said, um, some news around that is we might actually sunset the giveaway. It just didn't get to the hype that I was hoping for. It's been one whole year of doing it and it kicked up really high and intense and then it kind of faded out a little bit. That's mostly my fault for not pushing it and doing a great job with some of the things that I could be doing there. And uh, it's a lot of work to get, you know, a lot of other brands to get on board with discounts or giveaways. And, uh, you know, without a lot of members, there's not a lot of money to buy stuff for the members. That's what the money is for is we use that money to like buy the gifts for everybody. So um, we've been pulling money in from other areas to make it still great. So that being said, we're going to sunset that. And um, that's all I have for today, I think. If you have any questions, comments, uh, things you want to hear about, let us know. Have a great day and hunt public.